on the Wake Up Radio presents. You might love your people, but they may not love you back. For more than 400 years, we've been under attack. We survived slavery, and then they gave us crack. Gave us crack. Do revolutionaries go to heaven? 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 I wanna know. Do revolutionaries go to heaven? I hope so. Do revolutionaries go to heaven? I wanna know. Do revolutionaries go to heaven? I hope My mind runs a million miles per hour. They can't stop me. They ain't got the power. If they put me in the ground, I still rise like a flower. Higher than the Eiffel Tower. Ancestors give me power to devour each and every enemy and every god. It's a Fred Hampton, Mark Clark, Martin Luther King, and Rosa Parks. Welcome to the hour. This is Cindy Ashby on the wakeupradio.com. And today we have a wonderful guest, Taye. Peace, Queen. How you feeling? Peace, brother. Peace. Oh my gosh. I am amazed by you. I was doing my research. Uh, it, it, it felt like it never ended. 60, 70 countries traveled. I was like, first of all, let's start. Let's start off. Tell them who you are. Give them your name and let them know who you are. Okay. I'm Taye Uhuru. I'm a historian. I'm a musician. I'm an author. I just released my first book. I'm a world traveler. I've been to 45 states, almost 70 countries around the world, 20 countries in Africa. That's dope. That's dope. Um, there's so much to you, right? You're like this enigma, right? <laughs> Music, travel, books. Where do you want to start? What, what do you want to tell them about first? We got to take it easy on them, right? All right, right. Um, I mean, we could get into the book first. I think that would be a good place to start since I just released it. Uh, my book is called The Afro Set. Uh, it's about a black power organization that was formed in the, in the 1960s. And my uncle, he was one of the co-founders. He was the Minister of Information. So the Afro set was at the forefront of bringing African culture to the city of Cleveland. You know, they had classes and they taught African language, Swahili, African drumming, uh, African dancing. You know, they gave each other African names. You know, they also taught economics. They taught health and wellness. You know, they had the classes on diabetes and sickle cell. Um, they helped build a health clinic. They helped build a drug rehabilitation center. Um, they had a theater. They did poetry readings. They did musical performances, fashion shows. And also they practiced self-defense. So they trained. They learned how to use the rifles. They learned how to use the machetes, the sticks, you know, hand combat, you know, doing military drills and different things like that. Um, they did a lot of community policing. So when pimps came into the neighborhood, they would run them out. Drug dealers came into the neighborhood, they would run them out. If they seen police officers, you know, um, attacking people, they would confront them. So it's a very exciting book. Um, it's a lot of uh, shootouts and riots and rebellions and uprisings and, and different things that people don't really um, associate with the city of Cleveland during the civil rights and the black power movement. Okay, and they can find this book at uh, afroset.net. Yes, yes. And you got to tell me your uncle's name. Is he still living? 
No, he passed away in the in the seventies, so I never got a chance to really meet my uncle. So it was, you know, a special kind of journey, you know, going into my family's histories. And you know, I had to interview a lot of people. I interviewed over a hundred people, a lot of the elders, a lot of his comrades, people that he taught, people that he trained with, and things like that. My uncle's name is uh, Omar Majid, but we know him as Uncle Buster. Oh, fantastic! And these and, and these elders you reached out to, if you don't mind name dropping, we like to name drop on, on the Wake Up Radio. Oh yeah, definitely. One of the elders that I reached out to was Don Freeman. Don Freeman, he was a school teacher in the 1960s, and he ended up losing his job. He was teaching the kids Black history and things like that. But he also co-founded a group called RAM, the Revolutionary Action Movement, and that was like one of the first Black nationalist groups of the 1960s, and they influenced groups like the Black Panthers, groups like the Afro Set and the Black Liberation Army. A lot of them got their, you know, template from Don Freeman's work. Okay, okay. And now I wanted to ask you, how how much did you get transported when listening to the elders tell you their story? Because that's just the plus, right? That's the priceless part about it. Yeah, I mean, it was a great experience. I mean, it's hard. I couldn't put it all in words, you know, so I wrote what I could, but it was just a good experience to listen. And I, I did a lot of recording. I filmed a lot of it. So hopefully um, I'll be working on a documentary maybe in the next year or two so people can get a more in-depth experience and they can see them talk and they can hear their voice and, you know, see the pain and, you know, get a better understanding. You know, the book is just the beginning, so. Okay, okay. You know what's so crazy? Because I, I also do film too. And I, it, it was a brother. Uh, his name was uh, John Elliott. I want to say Churchill. And I don't know if you remember the, uh, the, the film Bill Cosby did, Our Stolen Legacy. And it was the brother that was teaching the little kids in Philly to say that black was beautiful. You know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. I went and I hunted down that man. He was about almost 90 years old. And that's why I said I understand. I get goosebumps because it's amazing to be able to speak to the elders, right? Because it's just, it's not enough money you can get to just hear their uh, position on certain, uh, just politics and just life and everything. And so I totally get that mood you're in. And this book, I haven't checked it out, but I'm definitely going to get it because I know that it's like knowledge upon knowledge. Um, so how long did it take you to write it, though? Um, well, I would say I spent at least about five years actually writing and researching and interviewing people, you know. So, But it, it's been a longer process than that because I, um, I do a lot of genealogy. So I was tracing my family's history and tracing my family roots. Like I was able to go back into the 1800s, the 1700s, you know, I found the plantation where we got our last name from it, you know, different things like that. But the last five years, I was able to focus in on specifically my uncle and, and his movement because my great grandfather, he was in the UNIA. He was a follower of Marcus Garvey and my grandmother, you know, she told me about the parades that they had in their neighborhood. She was there. So she was a part of it as well. You know, she got a firsthand account of them raising the red and black and green flag. And that's my uncle's mom, you know, so. No, that's amazing. Correction. It was John Elliott Churchville. That's that's the brother's oh, name. Okay. And so it's funny because I said, has anybody ever come back for you? And he was like, no, you're the first person. I was like, you're kidding me. 
you get what I'm saying? Yeah, you'd be surprised, right? You'd be surprised because a lot of the archives and stuff, like the videos I found, and like you're the first person that seen these videos since 1970. You know, they just sitting there collecting dust. You know, because we've been dis- disconnected from our our history. You know, so much. Yeah, I, I think that's one of our. Um... That's one of the issues we do have as the youth, right? We don't realize how influential it is to listen to your elders. You know, they can help you through so much. You don't got to go through them landmines, y'all. Just speak to your elders. Speak to your grandparents, man. Them grandparents is everything. Um, I just wanted to know deeper introspect about you as far as your family and you like is there a closeness because the need for you to travel is just like where'd that come from cleveland you went from cleveland <laughs> yeah yeah my uh well my mom she used to drive the greyhound bus so that's when i started taking my first trip she would take us to places like new york chicago cincinnati pittsburgh detroit you know places within driving distance but then as an adult, you know, I continue that journey. I just love traveling. I love uh, learning about different cultures. I'm a historian. I love trying new foods. I love listening to the different music that, you know, places have and things like that. So once I've seen most of the country, I've been in like 45 states. Then I got my passport. Then I went to, you know, started going to different countries and things like that. Okay. Now I want, I want to know what made you go, I'm going to travel. I'm going to do this. A brother from Cleveland. What made you go, I'm getting out of here? Right. I mean, like I say, it, it started young. So I was blessed. I was fortunate to it. Because, you know, a lot of people, they never left the city. You know, they never left the, the county. So I just had that experience. And it was always something fun. It was always something exciting. You know, I didn't never had no bad experiences traveling. So. You know, it was just something I always looked for. I go one place, and then I'm like, okay, now let me go another place and another place. So, you know, the world is almost infinite with different places and cultures and people. So each time I go to a new place, I'm inspired to go to another place because I like to learn. So I try to take it all in, and then I move on to the next place. But by me going to so many places, I'm still processing a lot of those experiences. You know, I had the pictures, I had the videos, I have it stored in my mind. So I haven't had a chance to really write it out or talk about it in depth for each place. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Now tell them again, because I don't want them to miss them. Where can they find your book? Oh, okay. They can find it at Afroset, A-F-R-O-S-E-T dot net. Dope. Who and what is your inspiration, brother? Um, I would definitely say my family, my ancestors, you know, people like my uncle, my great grandfather, and, you know, the people that I have yet to reconnect with or rediscover, you know, they keep me motivated because they've been through so much and it has affected me. It has made me a stronger and better person. Each time I unlock another door and I find out more about my family and what they went through. You know, that's that's definitely motivating as well. That's definitely inspirational. Awesome, Sauce. So now let's talk about your music. Because I was listening. Man, the black of the berry, the sweet of the juice. Do revolutionaries go to heaven? I was just like, I'm so happy I found him. Because I played it like mad times already. <laughs> really? Wow, thank you. I appreciate that. Really dope. Tell me, tell me, the how'd you come up with, with this? Okay, I could tell you about the last one I did. Um, 
do revolutionaries go to heaven i recorded that i wrote that and i filmed that in south africa i was living in south africa in 2020 so this was during the pandemic um i lived in a city called johannesburg and the neighborhood i stayed in was an art district called mabo name so that's a lot of rappers singers dancers poets painters photographers drummers you know everything you could think of they come to this neighborhood and they showcase their talents and um, it's a lot of artwork around you know where i live at so it's murals and paintings of nelson mandela malcolm x marcus garvey harriet tubman rosa parks asada shakur all of these strong and beautiful black people so despite you know the chaos that was going on in the world i would always um be inspired and my you know spirits was uplifted continuously because as i would walk up and down the street walk to the grocery store walk in and out of my apartment building i would always see these great people and you know i wanted to write a song about it and like i said i was fortunate enough because it was a studio in my building it was a rapper in my building it was a photographer in my building so i was able to still um create my art you know from a to z without even you know leaving my community because you know a lot of people they couldn't go to the studio for a while or they couldn't go out and shoot videos for a while because everything was kind of locked down wow that's that's inspirational because you still found a way uh how you feel about playing your song because i think people need to hear this two revolutionaries go to heaven definitely definitely let's let's do that let is let's do that Stop me, they ain't got the power. If they put me in the ground, I still rise like a flower. Higher than the Eiffel Tower. Ancestors give me power to devour each and every enemy and every god. This for Fred Hampton, Mark Clark, Martin Luther King, and Rosa Parks. Bye. 
Bob Marley and Peter Tosh and all the slaves who had to run away in the dark. You in my heart. This for the lost martyrs, the old mama G's and punchy carters and all the comrades that's locked away on false charges and all the soldiers that fought regardless and those who died in the freedom rising long marches. Do revolutionaries go to heaven? 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 I wanna know. Do revolutionaries go to heaven? I hope so. Do revolutionaries go to heaven? I wanna know. Do revolutionaries go to heaven? I hope so. song is fire thank you thank you so much i truly appreciate it. they don't even know what uh, i know you said you went but what made you because you know you was like i i film i i write i direct i write books i like brother how many ancestors you got working through you uh like uh, you know what I'm saying? it's not even a triple that threat it's just like boom 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 like everything wonderful this song, what was your thought process like in your head? Because I'm trying to walk with you here. What was your thought right. process? I mean, like I like I said, it was so many people dying and getting sick. And, you know, a couple of the elders back home, you know, they didn't make it through 2020, unfortunately. Some of the people that I interviewed. So, you know, I wanted to kind of salute them and give it up for the people who have always inspired me. Cause like I say, they really inspired me when I was out there walking through my community. So I just couldn't let that opportunity pass, you know, and then, you know, the rest, I just wrote it down, you know, as best I could. Now, how are you making it through this new world, this plan scandemic? I'm going to say it cause I could say it, but how, how do you feel? Because here's, he, you're telling me you're making music videos. Everyone's just sitting in the house. So all tight and scared to move. You're you're moving and shaking. How are you making making through well, this? Um, well, I'm just trying to stay strong, trying to stay mentally strong because it's a challenge. I mean, it's definitely affecting me like everybody else. But I have been able to continue to travel. I have been able to write songs. You know what I'm saying? Like the last week I did, like like last two weeks I made it wrote 20 songs or something like that. So I'm just trying to keep my mind occupied. You know, and just trying to move forward with life. I'm not going to let that stop me, but, you know, I don't want to be, you know, oblivious to, like I say, the people that's getting sick or dying or whatever the cause may be. You know what I'm saying? So Now, question. With all the traveling, do they force you to get the jab? Um, Not yet. I don't plan on it, you know, if I can travel without it. Because what I, I think in, let me see, since last year I went to, I was in South Africa. I went to Ethiopia. I went to Egypt, I went to Dubai, went back to America. You know, for the most part, they're just asking you to have a um, negative COVID test. But as far as any, you know, COVID vaccination, I haven't heard that yet. You know, people rumors and talking about it, but because the thing is, it's so many different countries. It's, it's a new vaccine, so we don't even know if it's good for people, people dying and mysteriously getting sick and stuff like that. So I don't think the whole world is on one accord with what they're going to do, you know. 
I want you to talk about your traveling tours thing. You, I want you to talk about that because I've never been. You said my traveling tour. Yeah, your traveling tours thing that you do. I don't know. I, I was watching an interview you were doing with someone, and they were talking about something in October. I wasn't sure if that was you, your part of that. And so I want to know about this traveling tours. Are you, are you doing traveling tours? Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay, so I do educational tours. I take people from America, and I take them to different countries in Africa. So basically the tours, um, they help clear up a lot of misconceptions that we have in America about Africa and African people. Africa has the most countries in, in the world, more countries than any other continent, almost 60 different countries. Africa is the most diverse continent, you know, as far as people, ethnic groups, languages, uh, animals, and landscapes. So it's much to see in Africa, but we generally look at Africa as one place. You know, so if something is happening in Nigeria, we'll say, oh, in Africa is a war over there. And they're like, no, it's a war in Nigeria. You know, so it's like we live in North America, for example, and say if we travel to Canada, we try to travel to Jamaica, we travel to Haiti, we travel to Mexico, we travel to the Cayman Islands. All of those places, they're very different. The people look different. The food is different. The weather is different. You know, the animals, the climate, the laws is different the language is different so africa is, is 10 times more diverse than that so right now we have about seven tours we go to ghana senegal south africa kenya egypt we add a couple more tours tanzania um and each tour is very very different you know so like if we go to say egypt for example that tour focuses on ancient african history you know 2000 years ago 3000 5000 10000 years ago you know, we go to the Valley of the Kings, the Valley of the Queens. We go to the Step Pyramid, the Bent Pyramid, the Red Pyramid, the Sphinx, uh, Hatshepsut's Temple. You know, we just focusing on the greatness of Africa prior to the transatlantic slave trade. But then we got a tour where we go to Ghana and we focus on the transatlantic slave trade. You know, a lot of people uh, want to reconnect, you know, because that was the last place we left was from West Africa. So we go to the slave dungeons. We go to the slave ports and slave castles and we learn about, you know, the West African culture. We learn about the tribes that's still there, you know, like the Ashanti and the things that they do, their music, their clothes, the kente cloth and things like that. So each tour is very diverse. So the packages are different. You know, if you just want to visit one country for a week, you can do that. If you want to visit two countries, if you want to stay two weeks, you want to stay a month, it's very flexible. You can go any time of the year. Uh, you can do a payment plan. So the tours, they include a round-trip flight, they include hotel, they include breakfast and dinner. Um, all the, the activities, all of the places we go, the historic sites, the museums, you know, any entrance fees, all of that is included. The tours include flight insurance, travel insurance, you know, so if you get sick, if you get COVID, you get hospitalized, or, you know, if you can't take the tour because, somebody in your family died or you have COVID or, you know, things like that are covered, you know, so. All right. Dope. Oh my gosh. So you make me want to travel. See, you're giving it, you're giving, you're giving people hope, right? Cause everyone just thought they was going to be stuck in America because I'm in New York. <laughs> right, right. And here you are just 
Da, da, da. Just doing it, just doing it. I like to do this thing called rapid fire. You guys are listening to On the Wake Up Radio. This is the hour with Cindy Ashby. I have the wonderful guest, uh, the Afroset. Don't forget to check out Afroset.net. Brother, say your name because I want them to say your name. I, sometimes I don't hear your name enough. Say it. Taye Uhuru. That's my African name. Taye is an Ethiopian word, Amaric. It means to see something, to have a vision. Uhuru, that's a Swahili word. They speak that in like Kenya and Tanzania. Uhuru is, uh, it means freedom. My name means he who has seen freedom. Well, well, well. Rapid fire is upon us. You didn't get these questions, so now I'm going to ask it, and you got to answer them quickly, Taye. Favorite food. (laughs) Favorite food? Ah, I don't know. Mama. Whatever my mom cooking. <laughs> I know that's right. Can't go wrong with that answer. Favorite music? Hip-hop. Favorite book? It could be yours. The Afro set. Favorite movie? Malcolm X. Superpowers you wish you had? Oh, wow. To, um, to save black people. Favorite color? Black. Dance or singing? Singing. You going on a road trip and you can only take three people with you? My mom and my brothers and sisters. Dope. What would you tell yourself as a teen or a little boy if you were a time traveler and you're going back to yourself? I would definitely say be patient. Stay focused, you know. Um, but yeah, just 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 be patient because when you're young, it seems like you know what I'm saying. Say so you like you 15, you like I can't wait till I'm 18. You like I can't wait till I'm 21. You know, once you get 18 to 21 and get real, it seems so far away. So take your time and think things through. That's dope. Uh, I want to thank you for answering those rapid fire questions. This is on the Wake Up Radio. You're listening to Cindy Ashby. This is the hour. And um, sign up for otwtube.com. O-T-W-T-U-B-E.com. It's like the black YouTube, but better. Because we don't community guidelines you. We let you say and be free. Because that's what we are. We're a free people. Even though we don't believe we are. We are. Everything we've been taught has been upside down and messed up. And sometimes you got to tap into yourself and the ancestors. And do what the hell you got to fucking do. Um, I wanted to ask you, what advice did you would you give to someone who wanted to write a book? I would definitely say um, the hardest part is starting. So just get started. You know, don't procrastinate. Don't put it off. But again, I would say be patient and take your time with it, especially if you're doing like a historical account. You're talking about real life events, you know, do your research thoroughly. You know, don't leave no stone unturned. So, like I said, I spent five years writing my book, but also researching and interviewing people and editing and editing. You know, that consumed a big part of my life. I became obsessed with it. You know, that's something you're going to always want to talk about every day, something you want to work on every day. You know, don't let a day go by. Don't let a week go by that you're not working on your book. You know what I'm saying? If If you're serious about it. 
Okay. Now, what motivates you, brother? When you open your eyes in the morning, what motivates you? What's the first three things you think about? I'm thankful. I'm thankful for another day. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm just thankful for the basics. I can walk. I can talk. I can bend over. I can laugh. I can hear. I can see. I'm not sick. You know, I'm not injured. I'm not paralyzed. I'm, I'm just thankful to wake up and, and be healthy. That's that's very motivating for me. I'm not really materialistic, so I'm not, you know, like, man, I got a car. I got a house. I got a, you know, I do have those things, but I'm thankful just for being physically and mentally, you know, now I want to know, are there any other gifts or talents that you possess that we don't know about? I want to know what it is. We want to know what it is. Uh, I do a lot. I, I think I like to I like to give back to the community a lot. When I say give back to the community, I'm talking about the black community, but I mean it in a global sense. So I'm always trying to um, do the best that I can. So like I donate to a lot of schools. I may donate money or school supplies. I volunteered at orphanages and community centers. I worked at, I worked with disabled people. Um, we did a, a Christmas drive this past Christmas. We gave away bikes and skateboards and book bags and things like that. During the pandemic, I was trying to help as many people as I could, even though I was locked down. I had to send money to this country or people need medicine in this country or I would buy people groceries in this country. So I try to, you know, if I could just help at least one person at a time, you know. Wow. Amazing. I want you to tell me, what do you think to this date is your uh, most amazing accomplishment? Oh, wow. Probably my book, definitely. Um, Reconnecting and being able to tell uh, my uncle's story. Yeah, that's number one. So there are, uh, and I could, tell me if I'm wrong, there's 54 African nations. Am I saying it right? Yeah, currently. It's about 54. You're about right. Tell me, brother. Tell me where you've been, brother. On the continent. um, I've been to South Africa, Botswana, Zimbabwe, Mozambique, Madagascar, Seychelles, Comoros, Kenya, Ethiopia, Egypt, Morocco, Senegal, Ghana, Cape Verde, Guinea-Bissau. I'm trying to think if, if that's it. I actually lived in South Africa. I've been to South Africa five or six times. I've been to Egypt almost ten times. I've been to Cape Verde three or four times. Wow. You put me to shame. I'm like, I've been to the Bronx, Queens, Brooklyn, Bronx. <laughs> no, I've I've been I've gone to like I'm from Grenada and I've been to London oh, okay. and I've you know what I'm saying because I have family St. Thomas. I've you know, okay. but I've never been that's to cool Africa. Though. That's, I've been to France. Up. I mean, but I've never gone to Africa, which is kinda like really kinda like ugh, like Cindy, what's going on? I need to where do is there a place, is there a website where we can go and check out your tours or whatever if we're interested? Yeah, definitely. Um, you can check out the website and the itineraries and the countries is listed on there. So you can check them out individually. It's uh, afroset.net. And I'm on social media. If anybody have any questions, if you know they want to know more about the book or if they want to know more about the tours or anything else that I do, um, you, know, you can contact me. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, 
uh, Melanated People, TikTok, YouTube. I have a lot of videos of us going into the pyramids, going into the temples and different things. And my handle is Camp Cleveland, C-A-M-P Cleveland. So you can find me on any of those platforms as Camp Cleveland. That is amazing, amazing. Um, Don't forget to set up your Camp Cleveland at OTW2. I'm putting pressure on you. Oh, I got you. I got you. <laughs> I'm I'm disgusted. <laughs> I've always been like that. Oh my gosh! Now, what do you do for fun? Because your life sounds fun, but what do you yeah. do for fun? What's fun that's for you? That's what What's... I do. <laughs> that's my fun right there. Just traveling and writing. That's that's what I like to do. Eating, you know, trying new foods, learning. I like to try to learn different languages, um, learn about different cultures. So, you know, some people, they work is different from what they like to do, their hobbies. But that's what the way I try to make money and live my life is all kind of connected, you know. I want you to tell me something. I'm going deep into your business now. We're going to go into his business now, y'all. The ladies, the ladies, the prettiest ladies. When you You step foot on the continent, we're the prettiest Uh ladies, brother. That's hard to say because... I mean, black women all around the world, black women is the prettiest, but I, I couldn't say it's a specific country because man, it's, it's, it's hard to say. Like, because black women in America, black women in Brazil, black women in South Africa, Ethiopia, uh, Cape Verde, you know, all of these places are beautiful. So I don't really have like a preference, you know what I'm saying? That's a smart ass fucking answer. <laughs> <laughs> I see you had a photo shoot in Cuba. How was Cuba, brother? Oh, they said Cuba. Oh, Cuba was real cool. That's one of my favorite places to visit because when you visit Cuba, it's kind of like you're going back into time because a lot of the cars, the majority of the cars are from like the 1950s and 1940s. A lot of their buildings are old. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's a good experience. And I would suggest that people do go to Cuba, you know, before it changes. It may not change. It may or may not change because they just started recently allowing the citizens to get on the internet and things like that. So, you know, they, they're not taking debit cards. They don't have ATM machines for us to use and stuff like that. So it's like one of those places where things are still kind of behind technologically, but their medical system is advanced, you know, so it's not like, you know, they don't, know how to treat people because in Cuba you have um they have free health care they have free college you know they even allow like black Americans you can go to Cuba and go to college for free so it's very advanced in that sense you ain't lying uh where I'm from uh, I was born in Grenada a lot of times like if my aunties had to go uh to do extensive uh um surgery they would go to Cuba and then they oh, would come okay. back to Grenada. So that's, uh, but at the end of the day, they, they kind of built our airport. So there's a love, there's a connection already with Fidel and stuff like that. So um, mm-hmm. even though he's gone, but it was something that he, he did. Henceforth, the invasion of Grenada, Reagan was not happy that mm-hmm. we wouldn't get into the IMF, right? Because you go to certain countries and the money, right? One American dollar is like 5000 You know, if you go to Jamaica or if you go to... um. Certain places in Africa, one American dollar is like, it just depends, right? Five dollars, it could be mm-hmm. 20000 It's just ridiculous because if you kind of borrow from the IMF monetary fund, 
you're you're stuck for life with these people and then it becomes this um it was a documentary i saw um oh my god i think it's it's called debt life and mm-hmm. it, it basically said how here you are you could grow your own potato but you got to buy the irish potato you could have your own chicken but you gotta get chicken from america this doesn't even make sense this is just like mm-hmm. right it's just it's, it's crazy mm-hmm. and so um my country kind of went with the uh we're gonna hang out with the as they call them socialists i'm putting in quotes and <laughs> and so one american dollar is like uh two dollars or a dollar fifty in grenade do you get what i'm saying Kind of worked yeah, out, not boring. It works out, not boring. Yeah. And one of the things I noticed, how do you feel? Have you have you bought any land in Africa, and how's that? No, no, I haven't bought any land yet, but I've been connecting with uh, different farmers and landowners. I volunteer at farms in Cleveland and America as well. I've been looking at land here and in Africa. But I, I I know I looked at land in Ghana, Senegal, Madagascar, and Mozambique, South Africa. So, but the thing is, with Africa, I haven't um, invested in any land yet because I haven't, you know, moved to a specific African nation first. So if I do it that way, I'm gonna live there for a while, maybe get like dual citizenship, and then the process will be a little bit easier for me. So a place that I know I'm gonna stay. So I haven't really narrowed it down to one place just yet okay okay i i see what you keeping options open um i think a lot of times uh i was listening to an interview you did and you was talking about the safety and how people are told right we're taught that don't go to africa it's unsafe it's unsafe the poverty they'll chase you down they'll do this you've had a different experience and you're not the only one i had another sister on here on another show that talked about going to south africa and going to africa and having the best and she was on a dance scholarship and having the best fucking time not ever having any problems with the people and how loving it is i want you to tell us more about that Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, Every time I go to Africa, it's been a great experience. Like I said, it's almost 54 countries, almost 60 countries in Africa, you know, and there are dozens of African countries that are far safer than the United States, you know what I'm saying? Especially you get to cities, like you say, you live in New York or you go to D.C. or you go to L.A. or Chicago or Detroit or New Orleans. They have cities that's uh, a whole lot you know, safer. Um, Each year, the United Nations, they do this thing called the Global Peaceful Index, and it's public information, and you can look it up, and they rank each country, you know, as far as crime rate, you know, mass shootings, gun violence, robberies, and things like that. So a lot of countries say like Ghana, Namibia, Botswana, um, Mozambique, a lot of this... It's just an unlimited amount of countries in Africa that are far safer and a lot less racism, you know, so that makes it even safer for us, you know, because say like you go to Ethiopia or you go to an African country, the airline is black, the pilots are black, uh, the flight attendants are black, you know, you get to the airport, the airport is named after somebody black, the baggage handlers are black, you go to the ATM, the people on the money are black, you know. The taxi driver is black. The president is black. The mayor, the fireman, you know what I'm saying? So a lot of times when I'm in African countries, most people think that I'm from there. You know, they could tell once I start speaking to them, you know. But in those cases, 
they have all been friendly. I've never been in Africa and the Africans said, why are you here? We don't want Americans here. Go back to America. And I've never experienced that. And like I said, I've been to Africa dozens of times. And this information you can look up, you know, just like I said, the educational tours, they help clear up a lot of those misconceptions. You know, so it's just a lot of false narratives. Because like people say, they say Africans don't like us, you know, and things like that. But from my experience of living in America, I haven't met African-Americans that say, you know, some Africans came into our neighborhood and they shot our house up or some Africans. I was walking down the street and they jumped us and they beat us up, you know, but we look at videos and we see African-Americans in stores and nail shops and salons getting beat up, getting choked, getting attacked, you know, by different groups of people. And even in some of the things that we encounter amongst ourselves, you know, that are just horrible. You know, so I haven't seen Africans doing that to us. You know, a lot of African countries have apologized for slavery, have invited us to come there, offered citizenship, offered land and business opportunities and things like that. So, you know. I want you to talk about, because they're always talking about it, like China's China's trying to take over, right? I mean, I know everyone else is because it's resources, right? People don't realize, like, it's really not about the money. And I'm whispering that about the resources you know when i was doing my research and i found out that the congo has an unlimited water supply you get what i'm saying and i go to myself (laughs) how are we paying for water right Right, (laughs) is this not from the creator and so i i i I don't know if you when you go out there if you see a lot of asians or a lot of uh the british or you know um just Americans, do you see a lot of people out there trying to, like, grab up everything? Um, I wouldn't necessarily say I see a lot, but I, I would say I would see them more than, than I see black Americans. You know, you, you do see people from Asia and Africa. You do see people from Europe and Africa a lot of times, and they visit. They have a good time. They invest. They make millions, and they take care of business. But like I say. Or like you were saying, um, it's a fear factor to, to where we won't even go visit. You know, we and like you say, our dollar is more powerful. You know, we could be in a situation where we can go over there and invest and also help our brothers and sisters there. You know, we can do financial co-ops or food co-ops or land co-ops and empower the people, you know, because, you know, the other groups that's coming over there, they're just taking. They're just taking. They don't have no love for the people. They don't have no connection with the people you know so mm, there was a, a when you were talking in there one of the interviews you talked about support actually it wasn't an interview it was just you speaking and you were talking about support support is everything and sometimes family family is the one that's supposed to support us but there are times where we don't get the support we need from our people and I want you to elaborate on that more so people don't feel so down on themselves Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, I take my hat off to anybody that make it, you know, as far as black people is concerned, because it's like 10 times harder. You know what I'm saying? I think um, when we were brought over here, that family structure was kind of, you know, fragmented. So like, for example, like if we start a business, we got a thousand people in our family, but we have to look to outsiders to build up our clientele. Imagine if everybody in your family bought your book or everybody in your family listened to your radio show or bought your mixtape, or if you fix cars, everybody in the family came and 
you know, got their car fixed by you, or if you had a barbershop, everybody got their hair cut by you, you know, other groups of people, they, they operate in a more cooperative setting. So for example, like in Cleveland, where I live, there's Chinese restaurants in every black community, there's Arab corner stores in every black community, there's Indian stores selling hair in every black community. And when you go into them, they pretty much selling the same thing. They get it from the same places. You know what I'm saying? But if we open a store, we're opening it individually and then we don't produce anything. So it's like we got to buy it from somebody else who bought it in bulk. Then we got to resell it. So now our prices is higher. You know, it's just it's just a, a heavy situation, but you can't let that discourage you. You know what I'm saying? You got to stay motivated. You got to stay resilient. You know what I'm saying? Just because it's hard. Or, you know, you don't necessarily have the answers to, you know, figure out how you're going to get from A to Z. You just got to keep grinding and keep going forward. But it, it is some family to help. You know, I do have family members that always support. So I'm not going to say all of them is like that. But, you know, you have a few, no matter what you're doing, they're just happy that you're doing something positive. But the overwhelming majority of the black family, you know, is just, like I said, fragmented. Right, right. It's it's funny. I, I I remember a recording. I went to Harlem, and I had to record a lady named Queen Mother, uh, Doctor Dolores Blakely. She has a oh, position okay. at the United Nations where she's in charge of the fifty four diaspora of Africa. And um, I remember it's funny because she sued Disney because she said they stole um, Sister Act from her because she's a nun. And she, well, that didn't work out. She didn't have a good lawyer. I'm sorry if he can hear me. He he, he wasn't on top of it. But uh, you know how they steal everything from us. And so Mm -hmm. um, I I was just thinking at at the fact that um, I think as we were growing up, we were told, you know, Egypt's not in Africa. Even though we were told Egypt was in Africa. But now if you go to school, you're told Egypt's not in Africa. Is that a thing? Is that is that something they're saying? Yeah, I think that go back to the old days. Like you watch Ten Commandments and all that stuff. They make them all white, you know, like European and stuff. Egypt is definitely in Africa. It always has been in Africa. Egyptians are African people. But modern day Egypt, the Arab Republic of Egypt, you know, they may identify with you know, the Middle East or Asia, because just like here, it's like we live in America. The the demographics that we have in 2020 wasn't the same demographics that we had 500 years ago, you know? So you have people that migrate and they take over, you know, but the ancient monuments are still there. If you, you know, have any doubt when you go into the Valley of the Kings, you will see what color the people was. When you go into the Cairo museum, you will see what, you know, ethnic group that the people, um, you know, that the kings and the pharaohs and the queens and stuff were, you know. How powerful is it to be in one of the tombs? What what kind of energy do you feel, brother? Man, it's, it's almost unexplainable in words. I mean, it's a good experience. It's a good feeling because you see the greatest structures that the world has ever seen. They could build skyscrapers and everything else, but they can't duplicate you know, the great pyramids of Egypt, they don't, they still don't even, they're not even for sure how they built them. You know what I'm saying? They didn't have cranes and electricity and dump trucks and different things like that. And then when you get inside and you see these black faces and it just feels good. You know what I'm saying? It's just like a, 
a relief. It's like a weight off of your shoulders. Because before I went to Egypt, I used to read the books and watch the documentaries, but it was still something where I had a question mark, like, wow, I wonder, is they all black or what happened or why they not portraying them as black people? But then when you get to go over there and you see it for yourself, that's all the confirmation that you need. Mm, it's funny because uh, I was looking at uh, one of the, I have a show called The Center, and they were pointing out that the popes have been playing praying to the black Madonna. <laughs> like, oh, wow. Okay? Down at the Vatican, because if you go... We haven't been able to get in there, but when you do see him, it's a black Madonna. It's, it's, it's just no uh, pretending. A lot of things have been whitewashed. Not to make this about race or anything like that, but like, give us some, give us some love, right? And I, I want to know, I want to know how you feel about being a black man and what it means to you, and what what advice can you give to other black boys right because i always say you can't talk to the older people because they're stuck but the younger people that are listening oh man i I love being black it means everything to me you know my life is is just driven by being black and being proud to be black that's why i'm so into black history you know what i'm saying um the advice that i can give to the or not even the youngsters, but like you say, the, the elders and the, the parents, they already stuck in their ways. But the youth, you know, it's good to spend time with them. I do a lot of uh, tutoring. I do teach black history courses online. And when I go into orphanages and community centers, I try to share as much history with them as possible to let them know that we, we are great. We have done great things. We are still going to do great things and let them know that that they can be great as well. Like Frederick Douglass, he got a quote, it's like, it's easier to build strong children than to repair broken men. So I try to practice that with my nieces and nephews. You know, I don't spend a lot of time with them because I'm traveling and going back and forth. But when I win them, I I, I sit them down and I make them watch black history documentaries. I I put a book in their hand and I make them read. You know, I make them write down the countries in Africa. I make them sing them and pronounce them correctly. You know, I, I make them meditate and sit down and think and I show them pictures and I show them videos of me traveling to these beautiful places, these beautiful parts of Africa. And that's why I have my YouTube page. I'm constantly uploading positive things, you know, providing positive content of not just Africa, but, you know, countries around the world where black people live. There's black people all over the world. You know, so I share these things with them because I didn't always know that it was black people in Brazil and black people in Mexico and black people in the Caribbean and things like that. That's not common knowledge. They don't teach us that in school. You know what I'm saying? So I just try to share as much as I possibly can with them and to let them know that they're great early on. Isn't that beautiful? I, I thank you. Um, I want you to tell them where you could find where they can find your book. Tell them again. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, you can check out my book at afroset.net. And also you can find me on social media, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Melanated People as Camp, C-A-M-P, Cleveland. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, We will be putting that in the description box. So when you're listening to this on iHeart and Spotify and SoundCloud and Google Podcast, it's going to be there. And then when you're listening on otwtube.com, because we're going to definitely put this up there. Um, I want to ask you, brother, tell me uh, some of the struggles 
that you faced? Like, if you could just sit and think about that time where you was like, I almost didn't make it out that motherfucker alive. Like, what what were some of the struggles you faced? Um, I don't know. I I, I wouldn't say I had a lot of struggles because I know people that had it so much worse and harder than me, you know. Um, just growing up in Cleveland, you know, just being poor and being black, you know, dealing with the, the racial struggles, you know, as an adult. Like, say, when I came out of high school, I could tell you, when I entered the real world, that's when I was um, confronted with racism more so than as a kid. You know, they show you the old civil rights videos and you're like, oh, it's not really like that no more. You think things change. So the, the biggest struggles I've had is, okay, I'm trying to get jobs now and I see how they treat me. So I see that this, say, a company that I worked for, they got sued for racial discrimination. Then I see I try to go to this bank and I try to get a loan house or I try to get a loan for commercial property or you know whatever else and you get turned down you know say my credit score is good but then you read these articles and you see that these banks are getting sued for credit discrimination you know things like that you know damn 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 look at me I mean um how do you feel about the way society is going now as far as uh, agendas, but it's always been agendas. Do you feel like it's it's lighting up a little bit as far as, like, black people loving themselves? Or do you feel like it's getting harder? You know, we got the whole, uh, you know, I tell people you could do what you want in your bedroom, but this this whole social media thing where everyone is just like, well, you've got to do this, and you you ain't got to do nothing, okay? But stay black, and <laughs> stay black, pay taxes, and die. And taxes is theft is taxation, y'all. But that's a different story. Um, how do you feel about? Do you see any agendas? You, I want to know the bubble you live in because I live in my own bubble too, right? So, mm-hmm. tell me. I mean. I think in America is more of an issue, like with the social media and the internet, it plays a bigger role in our lives. And I think it's just a lot of distractions and confusion. You know, they do promote certain things and they try to get us to, you know, I don't know. Cause it's like, I don't think things have changed. That's what I'm gonna basically say as far as being black, but then they may have things like, uh, stop the Asian hate, or they may say, you know, stop violence against different groups of people. But it's obvious that, you know, we are the group that has suffered the most and the longest, you know, in America. And I think they just, you know, use the media, use television and headlines to cause confusion. You know what I'm saying? But a lot of people don't understand it. You know what I'm saying? Now, question. You were saying something about looking at land in Ghana. Weren't, wasn't there like a president in one of them nations that was saying that if you was African-American, you could come get some land? Is that real? Well, like I, like I said, I haven't made it to that process or I haven't made it to that point yet. But to my understanding, you know, like Ghana is one of the, the nations that's leading the way in that as far as getting African-Americans to come back. So I'm not exactly sure about the details of that, but I do have family. I mean, I do have, well, they family, but I do have friends in Ghana and they would be more knowledgeable about that. But to my understanding, Ghana, like I say, they have apologized for slavery. They have publicly invited us back. They have publicly offered citizenship. Like last time I was in Ghana was in 2019, and we went to a naming ceremony. So it was a group of uh, Africans from the diaspora that had returned to Ghana. 
and they were receiving their names and they were meeting with the chiefs and they were beginning to start their journey, you know, living in Ghana. So it has been very welcoming, but the actual details and how it works, I'm not exactly sure yet. Okay. I, I, I get it. You know what we, like, I know your schedule, but I'm bossy. Um, <laughs> you know what you need to do a lot. If we could, if we could literally interview more people in Africa to give that sense of calm, because I've been, I haven't been on Clubhouse a lot, but when I have, I've heard people complaining, oh, you know, they brought us to America and they never came back for us. And I couldn't say anything because I'm Caribbean. And so I, I'm able to, you know, I always tell people when I first came to America and they had Caucasian, African, other, I put Grenadian. I didn't know anything about race. <laughs> well, I just, could you imagine? You're eight years old trying to figure out what the hell this shit means. And so, you know, because we've been taught it depends where you live and how you grew up and your family and circumstances and all these things. And one of the things I did learn was that, you know, my father said, your cousin did some um, research and where we might from the, be from the Ibu tribe. And I thought that was... That was dope, yeah, because I definitely wow, want to check wow. that out, you know. And so I'm always thinking to myself, like, I want to go, but I think it's 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 what's been drilled in our heads. So what are you going there for? And it's too expensive, and it's not anymore, right? I've seen the prices drop for flights. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is fear because we spend money. We'll spend a thousand dollars on a cell phone. We'll spend three hundred dollars, two hundred dollars on a pair of shoes. You so, ain't lying. You know, then <laughs> we brag about how much we spend, so it ain't the money. No, I, I I I that's the thing. And we need to get into, you know, one of the things that on the wake radio, one of the things that I've always said, the reason why I do this radio station, the reason why I do the podcast, the reason why I created the platform is I want people to deprogram and reprogram. You cannot sit there and watch TV and complain. You can't sit there on the oppressors, social media and complain. Shout out to Melanated Peoples. Do you get what I'm saying? You can't sit there Definitely. and claim. You got to do your own thing. You can't sit there and say, well, I don't know how to get to Africa. And no, that your brother, you're doing your own thing. Re hit you up. Get the experience. I've always wanted to go to Egypt. Oh, my God. This is on my bucket list. This is on my... <laughs> I, I've wanted to go and see all of... If I couldn't see all, but just go to South Africa and just... Like, this is just like... It just swells my heart. And so I, I definitely want to thank you for what you're doing because there was something you said. You said purpose. Tell me about your life purpose, brother. Oh, yeah, purpose, purpose. I think that, like I say, a lot of the things that we're doing, um, if we don't have no purpose, then we're going to fall into these different traps and these different distractions. But when you obsess with what you're doing, you love what you're doing. You know what I'm saying? It just it just makes for a better life. It just makes for a better result. You just got to stay driven, you know, so. I need you to tell them your name again because I don't think they heard you in the back. Taye Uhuru. And tell them where to find a book. Afroset.net. And tell them where to find you. Camp. Cleveland. I'm on social media, Facebook, Melanated People, TikTok, and YouTube. 
Now, Cam, I want to talk about Cam Cleveland. Tell me about that. Uh, Cam Cleveland, that's basically just um, concerning my music. So a lot of people know me as Camp Cleveland, but that was just like my record label. That's That would be the record label that I would put my music under. So I'm Taye Uhuru. I'm the artist, but Camp Cleveland would be the, the musical platform. That is so beautiful, which means uh, are you an independent artist? Yes, definitely, yes. Okay, okay. You guys don't forget to subscribe to him, to Camp Cleveland on the I don't even want to say their name, but he's going to make one on OTWTube.com. OTWTube.com. He's going to do one because we need to know this. We need to uh, definitely know this. Um, brother, I can't even. You're just like, like I said, I started with you on Enigma and basically uh, the Afroset.com. Net. It's afroset.net, and we need to get this book because I think uh, your ancestors have left you with something that's so priceless. Do you feel that? Yeah, definitely. I truly feel blessed. I'm I'm just grateful. You know, I wake up every day motivated. You know, I know I got a purpose. I got something to do, you know. My life is meaningful. And do you feel like a revolutionary? Yeah, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Revolutionary, opening up a black-owned grocery store. That's revolutionary. Loving a black woman. That's revolutionary. So we all can be revolutionary. I got a big old fucking grin on my face like Chessie the Cat. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. Any last words you'd like to say to give to the people as well as tell them where to find you? Uh, no, not really. I just want to thank you. I truly appreciate you. It's been an honor and a pleasure. And I'm just thankful for you and keep doing what you're doing. I love your platform. Thank you so much, Queen. Uh, you can find me on social media as Camp Cleveland. And my website is afroset.net. Brother, 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 you have brought it. Anytime you want to come back, let us know what's going on. The airways are open for you on thewakeupradio.com, brother. Tell them your name again. I don't think they heard it. Taye Uhuru. I'm telling you, I didn't hear it enough when I was looking you up. I was like, everyone's like, beloved. And this, I was like, nah, fuck that. I want to hear his name. Right, right, right. <laughs> net people. I love you guys. You guys have been listening to our On The Wake Up Radio. Sign up for otwtube.com. It's like black YouTube, but I call it otwtube.com. Come do what the fuck you want to do. I love y'all. Tell them that we love them so and never let them die slow. It's like we cursed to be born black. We was kings and queens. Now look where we at. Flawed individual. Cindy Ashby. Cindy Ashby. Cindy Ashby. Cindy Ashby. On The Wake Up.